Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. you glad that there's nobody greater than our God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. It's great to have a great God in the world we live in. You have to remember that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. How many of you are excited about that reality? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. Well, let's remain standing. Let's dig on in the text. We are in our last a message in our core convictions series today, and we will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 15 through 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 15 through 23. 1, 2, 3, read. Amen, amen, amen. Our next core conviction is culturally relevant ministry. Somebody say culturally relevant. How many of you believe the church has to be culturally relevant? Amen. Let's go before the God of heaven. Father God, we thank you that um, we are not uh, those who would try to do anything uh, to reach people. Um, that would impede upon biblical principles. Lord God, however, um, we, just like you, want to go out of our way to do whatever is within bounds to touch and reach and change lives. And God, help that to be our mantra. Help that to be our passion as a church, a continued disposition that every church, not just Epiphany Fellowship, but the other churches in our city and in our region and in the world that, that we would make the main thing be the main thing. 
Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that? Say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, culturally relevant ministry. Um, a mother uh, uh, had some children, and she, uh, her children wanted to learn about gardening. And so uh, th- she said, well, we'll start with uh, some hanging pots on the window, uh, outside of the window. <clears throat> we'll hang them out there, and we'll begin the process. And she walked them through everything that they should do in order to make sure that this gardening process and them beginning to learn would go really, really well. So <clears throat> the, the children went through the process, did different things to get everything in place, soil and everything, watered, all of those different things that go into proper gardening and getting things in place. And some time went past, and by this time, there should have been some growth there. And um, the mom said, you got to be patient. You got to be patient and wait. And so the kids came back, mom, we don't see any growth anymore. And, 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 then, and, then, and, then, and then again, the mom said, you got to be patient. And then after a while, um, the mom began to wonder, too, why was there no growth taking place? So as she began to talk to her kids, she said, what did you do? Did you do everything I told you to do to get things set up for you to grow this garden? And the, and the kids were like, yes, mom. And so the mom said, let's go over the list one more time. And so as she goes over the list of things for them that, that, that they should have done to get the gardening right, they, they, I mean, they did the watering. They, they, got the, they, got, they got the soil right. They did all of these different things that they were supposed to do. They watered consistently. But the mom got to, the, to one point, and she said, did you put the seed in the ground? And they were like, oh. And, and many times, ministry can be like that. Ministry can be doing everything around the main thing and missing the seed of the gospel. I mean, you can do all the programs you want, family. You know we're down with all that. You know we're down with, 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 with community outreach. You know we're down with justice in our community. We're down with all of that. However, we do that as an outgrowth of the seed we're trying to plant. If you do all of that stuff and miss the seed, you've missed kingdom growth because you can't make growth happen without the gospel. True transformation and growth doesn't happen without Jesus. And many times, a lot of churches who are trying to grow and trying to get bigger and trying to go places, they they go to conferences and they get all of these toolkits and they get all of these beautiful things to say, yeah, I'm going to come back and put this into practice. And all of it is is at the core is sometimes missing out from the church itself, not needing to merely run to a conference, but keeping the gospel the center of that ministry. And so when we talk about relevant ministry, we're not, we're not talking about, I, I, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. When we talk about the idea of relevance, uh, we want to have a, a common ground with lost people to share Jesus with them. That's it. That, like, that's it. We, we want to build common ground. And so when we talk about building common ground, I'm going to be honest with you. One of the things, uh, uh, you know, the, the Northeast Church has been known for is some of its community outreach, a lot of its community outreach. Um, and, and, you know, but when I, I'm going to just be honest with y'all. When I, you know, I'm from the Northeast. I'm a Northeast dude. I went to the South, man, and I don't know if you ever seen churches like in the South. I don't know if you ever been to one that looked like a shopping mall. You walk in and 
You look like it, you in the foyer and you're going you gonna to go down. The drop-down menu is on like a big big iPad screen and you go like this. and You know, you can see which departments you want to serve. Just all those different types of things. But one of the things that I did, or I always dreamt of for the last 20-something years, is not necessarily the, 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 the shopping mall church. What I have dreamed hardcore about in ministry, particularly in the Northeast, is systemic outreach and resources going into massive amounts of initiatives to change our community, to transform our community, and to do a lot of work. That's my, that, like, like, I didn't come here, on the other hand, I didn't come here just to have church. Like, I didn't come here to have Sunday morning service to make people feel good, and you to go out and feel like you got your Sunday morning devotional to get through the week. That's, that's the other side of it. There's the one side where you're doing all of the bells and whistles without the gospel. There's the other side where you're a holy huddle singing kumbaya and not changing anything. So culturally relevant ministry doesn't ignore either. It's both and. And so, and so I'll talk about some of the things that I, uh, we, we, God has blessed us to accomplish. But I also want to dream a little bit as it pertains to what I believe God wants us to do. Well, we come to this passage, and I believe this is a great passage to talk about relevance from because it keeps and strikes that exact balance that we were just talking about. Paul is talking to an immature Christian community who likes the culture but doesn't like ministry. And, 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 and they, are, they are absolutely culturally astute people, the Corinthians were. And what they would do is they would, they would, they would be culturally engaging at the expense of being biblical and committed in character, competency, and commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we come here to this passage and we look at Paul's passion to help this immature church to use their cultural connectivity in a gospel-driven, saturated way, I, I, I can't wait to dig into this. So, so point one and one point only, and I'm out your way. Um, the mechanism, if we're going to be uh, a culturally relevant, we have to recognize this. The mechanisms of ministry must be flexible yet faithful. The mechanisms of ministry must be flexible yet faithful. I want us to let that soak in. Somebody say flexible, flexible. yet faithful. Yes, I, I want that to soak in our minds as we go through this passage. So I'm going to spend the rest of my time on this point. And what I want you to do as a believer as we do this, I want you to see your evangelistic and missiological uh, 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 um, life as just as devotional as getting a word for you in season. Okay? So, so look at what he says. He says, he says, for my part, he said, I have used none of these rights. He says, nor have I written these things that they may be applied in my case. <laughs> he says, for it would be better for me to die than anyone to deprive me of my boast. So what is Paul talking about here? Paul is basically talking about um, a, a reality that I, I think is sabotage for many preachers in ministry today to apply these principles. Because to apply these principles means that there's some dying the pulpit has to do at times. In other words, the, the, the dying uh, comes with the reality of us being committed to putting the gospel before our personal desires. 
And so when he says, he said, I've not used my rights, what rights is he talking about? Well, Paul, as an apostle, has certain financial rights. These financial rights is his right to be able to get paid from the people he's preaching the gospel to. Now, Paul did, was in full-time ministry because we'll see later in 2 Corinthians that um, he, he didn't get paid by the Corinthians. He, paid, he got paid from other churches in order to minister to the Corinthians. So, so because what he wanted to do is he wanted to abandon certain rights that he had as an apostle in order to make sure that nothing was in the way of the Corinthians hearing exactly what God wanted them to hear as it pertains to the gospel. Because if I, if I come start preaching to you for the first time and I'm asking for an offering at the same time, how would that look? Right? Right? So he says, now, I had the right to do that, but he said, I didn't do that. And he's going to explain to us why. It's interesting, the force of the word here, of right is inferential and said based on earlier when he said rights, which points to power and uh, his ability to do this. And so he said, listen, he said, I want to be able to have a boast, though. Now, why would, so, why would a preacher talk about boasting? He wants to be unbought and unbothered. In other words, so, so some of my folk know what I'm talking about. He didn't want people to utilize him getting paid to feel like he was giving them a message they wanted to hear. And he's going to talk about that in a second because he didn't want anything in the way. He wanted to be fully, fully free from anybody's opinion influencing his message and thinking that because they gave him some money that they are, he is their personal prophet. And see, for us, and, and, so, and so for that person in mind, why is he framing this before he talks about culturally relevance? Because he wants them to understand what their lives as believers are supposed to be about. Our lives as believers are supposed to be about being free from anything that would impede upon us being free in the gospel uh, based on God's heart and commitment to what he wants to do in the world for us to be free as believers that you should never be in bondage to anything to the point where you have to silence your gospel witness. And so what Paul is saying is, he says, listen, he said, I just want y'all to know, he said, I, 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 have, I, I, like, I like this boast. He said, for it's better to me to die than for anyone to deprive me of my boast. He said, I'd rather die than for someone to take my gospel witness with me being bought. In other words, he, he, he wants to disconnect finances from the motivation of the message. That's very, very important. Now, the question is, do we see that today, though? Don't, you ain't got to answer no questions. You ain't got to answer the question. I know what y'all thinking already in your mind, right? Um, and, and that's very, very important for us to recognize, right? Look at verse 16. He says, for I preach the gospel. For if I preach the gospel, I have no reason to boast. He said, because I'm compelled to preach. So he's not talking about, he's talking about a different boast here. He's not saying, he, 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 he's trying to be humble right here. He's saying, now I'm not boasting that I preach the gospel. Like that it comes from me in the first place. This is very key for you to get what I'm saying. He said, it doesn't even come from me in the first place. He said, I am compelled to preach. He said, and woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This is what I call calling language. This is calling language. You, 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 this is calling language or necessity language. I, I like to define it. Calling is the undeniable compulsion initiated by the spirit in your soul and verifiable in the word to walk in obedience to God for a task at hand. Let me say that again. Calling 
is the undeniable compulsion initiated by the spirit in your soul and verifiable in the word, though. Verifiable in the word to walk in obedience to God. For See, you know you call when you can't help but do something. You know you call by God if not doing it, you feel disobedient. Yeah, you have a, you have a, you, you have a, even, even if you didn't have a quick verse for it, <coughs> you ever knew God wanted you to talk to somebody about Jesus? God said, go back in there and talk to them. And you're trying to move, the further away you're trying to move, you, you pull your keys out, the Holy Spirit leaning on you. You're trying to put your keys in the car, your hands shaking, and the Holy Spirit said, get your butt up, I have an opportunity for you, get your, you're scared behind up, go back in there and talk to them about Jesus Christ. See, when, you're, when, when, God, when, when the Spirit of God has you in a holy headlock. <laughs> that holy, you, you have been at the family reunion and you said, this time I'm just going to be Jesusless. I'm just going to chill. I'm going to walk with the Lord, but I'm not going to hyper jam anybody up. And then, you know, by the stuffing and the turkey, you know, I don't know what happened between that and the pie and naps, that all of a sudden, you end up getting the, the compelling disposition that you need to be a prophet in the, and spoil the family reunion, right? <laughs> see, see, when we talk about this idea of, of, of woe is me, that's, that's, that's oracle language. In the Bible, when the, when the word woe is used, it's, 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 it's almost like curse me if I don't. Let a, let a curse be brought, uh, this, uh, or judgment is on me. He's almost wishing, he said, I wish, he almost said, I wish I would find in myself not preaching the gospel. <laughs> and that's where we land deeply when we talk about culturally relevant ministry. We're flexible but faithful. And so we, we're going to be faithful in everything God has called us to do to preach the gospel. That, that, like, like, like that is what all of us as the church must do. But as Paul walks us through this, and helps us just realize an entire, uh, uh, just a lot of, uh, uh, of our reality. He goes further and he helps us to now not be, brow, be browbeaters in how we share the gospel. Now, now, now watch what he does. Now he's going to say several things. He says, for, I, for if I do this willingly, now he said, even though I'm compelled by the spirit, I'm called, I'm doing it willingly because I've submitted, Right? He said, I have a reward. He says, but if unwillingly I entrust, I'm entrusted with a commission. Then he goes here. He said, what then is my reward? He said, to preach the gospel and offer it free of charge and not make full use of my rights in the gospel. So Paul is basically, again, saying it's normal for someone to receive payment for sharing the gospel. But what he's saying is, is he says, because I know how y'all are. He said, I know new church folk how they are. Y'all looking at me funny. It's okay. He said, I, I'm, I'm shutting that down. But look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 8. He says, I robbed other churches by taking pay from them to minister to you. Let me stop there. When we first started Epiphany Fellowship, I knew we couldn't start taking offerings. Y'all got real quiet right there. I knew it. And so we had to raise money outside of 
basically from all over the country, from Washington State, from DMV, from, uh, from Texas, from Georgia, uh, from Arkansas, from all over the place, people supported. My wife and I, we went all over the place asking me, we got 95% no's. But those 5% yeses were enough for us to do what we're doing here. Now, for years, um, we downplayed giving. I think to a fault. Now, I'll talk about that when we talk about in the generosity series. But one of the things that we did do is we knew that in the church hurt culture, we needed to be careful about how we collected money. And so what we began to do is we said, we'll rob, we'll rob other churches. That, that's what he, he uses the language, rob. He's not saying they went and stole money, right? He's just saying, like, I'm robbing them because you should be investing in the ministry. That's what he's saying, right? And so he's saying, now, in order... For, like, like for us, we were like, we don't want to impact people's church hurt by t even taking one offering at this point because it'll impact how they view the motivation for why we're even doing this. However, there's going to have to become a point in their walk with Jesus Christ where giving is a part of their spiritual disciplines. So see, see, see the full circle? Now, now, that doesn't mean when it's time for that that you get financially molested either. See, see the balance. And that's when, when we talk about culturally relevant ministry, it was culturally relevant for us to be aware that offerings hurt people. And so we needed to be very, very careful with that and very careful in the beginning. So for the first eight, <coughs> eight years of the church, Epiphany didn't pay its own bills. We raised the money, millions of dollars for you to sit in these seats and for you to do outreach. Then, it, then, then culturally relevant now isn't doing everything for you. Culturally relevant is now saying, okay, let's take responsibility for the mission of God in Philly and invest in other places. So that's when we started planting churches, building uh, stuff. I, I don't want to get ahead of my culturally relevant ministry. I, I got a process here, but I don't want get to get ahead of myself. But then we began being for others and ourselves what others were for us. That, that, that means you become an actual church that way. So now, let, let, are y'all tracking with me, family? So, so now, so now what, 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 what we see here is verse 19. I love this. I love this. And this is what Paul takes. He takes a beautiful turn here. And I love the turn that he takes here because he's going to help us with a whole lot of mission. Do y'all know what mission is when I say that? Hold your hand up when I say mission or missionality. If you don't know what that is, hold your hand up. I'm not mad at you. When you say mission, 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 good, good, good. Can I teach you a little bit? Yeah, so mission is the act of, of, of going out and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people, right? So that, that's, that's mission or missionality. Living life, what we call, we use a two-cent word called incarnational. In other words, we live our lives in regular, plain clothes, uh, 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 like my man Trudy said, we plain clothes cops. Um, I'm sorry, that dated me, Christian hip-hop stuff, my bad. Um, it's all right. Anyway, um, go listen to it on iTunes. But, but basically, we, we go into the world not browbeating people but engaging them with the beauty and glory of the gospel through natural life, right? So when he says, I am free from all, he said, listen, <clears throat> let me just break this down. I don't owe anybody anything. That's what he says. I'm free. He said, I'm free from all and not, I'm not anyone's slave. So Paul, before we go to the next part, He's giving them clarity that he's not, he's not naturally obligated to anyone. 
But then he, he says something different that almost sounds like the antithesis to the very thing that he just said when he said, I'm not a slave to anyone. But I like what he says because he gives a voluntary submission to mission. Listen to what he says. He said, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Stop right there. When you become a believer, you make yourself a slave to everyone. What do you mean by that? In other words, you're not bought by them by being, you, you chose, I'm not your slave. However, because I'm compelled to preach the gospel, there are certain ways in which I want to relate to you that doesn't offend you for the wrong reasons. Listen to what I said. The key is the wrong reasons. Because the gospel offends for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. Okay? So, so now when he talks about I'm being a slave, he says, I he said, now that I'm a, a missionary for God, I have to do certain things within culture where I act wisely to not put any obstacles in front of your ability to hear the gospel, but do everything I can to make sure that I minister the gospel to you in a way where you hear the gospel in your language from God's perspective, untainted and unfiltered, yet in a way that you can understand it in your culture. Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. I'm sorry. Because listen, when, you, when, when, some, when some people, when some ladies go to certain parts of the world to do missions in the 1040 window, you walk around there, tell what you want to show off your, 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 your situation right here. You can't, and I'm not, you know, making fun of women, saying, you know, you, know, you, you want your hair. Like, you got to cover your head in that culture. You can't be over there. Women's rights. And we're going, like, you, they're not, nobody's going to fail you. It's not even relevant. So you're going over there with Western feminism, trying to reach the women in that other country. So I'm going to uncover your heads, they're going to shoot you. Because it's the 1040 window, and they got different rules. The 1040 window, 10 degrees latitude, 20 degrees latitude, 40 degrees latitude, by which is the most unreached place by the gospel in the world, and it's hostile. You can't just go over there with your little Western freedom talking about you're going to do what you want to do. It's Christians that are over, listen, it's Christians that are over there that they don't even have an Instagram or any type of online presence because they don't want uh, that it could put them in danger. And they put their lives on the line and became slaves in that culture in order to reach people in that culture and lead them to Jesus Christ. So they said, I know I have the right to show my bangs. I know I have a right to do whatever, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to cover my head for the purpose of the gospel. See how that works? And so, and so when we look at this idea of us working through this idea of being free. We're absolutely unadulteratedly free, but we make ourselves say, so now what does relevance not mean? What, what, what is our goal not to be? Our goal isn't being liked. That's not the goal. Number two, our goal isn't being, isn't, isn't attracting a following. We want to just get people in the room. That's never been our goal. Let me just get the seats full. That's not the goal. And attracting uncommitted attenders has never been our goal. So when Paul's talking about him being a free man, he's talking about, I do all of this to win people. Now let's talk about what winning actually is. What is winning? Winning people is actually sharing the gospel. How about that? How about like opening your mouth at some point? You know, I know you've been building a friendship for two, three, four years. Let's get real practical. I'm just trying to be a friend. You've been a friend for a long time. You'd be an even better friend if you helped them to be in God's presence for eternity. So guess what? Share the gospel. Help them to see their sinfulness. Woo! 
That's, this is gospel stuff. You don't get saved without repenting. So I ain't got no sin. With your, your over time, you need to talk about how all of I'm a sinner too, so I'm not being judgmental. I, I, I was a sinner too, and you walked them through it. Look, seeing the, help them to see the holiness of God. Call them to repentance. Call them to repentance. Say, give them an opportunity to believe, and this may not happen that one time. <laughs> you can't say, oh, my hands are clean. Like, that's, that's not even the spirit we're supposed to be under, right? You know, sometimes I had to go to the barbershop. I remember I sat up in the barbershop. I was sitting in the barbershop. They was talking all this talk, bumping gums. And my old barbershop around the corner. They were bumping their gums about Christianity. And I, I was trying to be nice with my kids in there. And so I stood up in the middle of the barbershop because I couldn't take it no more. And I just, they were talking about Christianity, the white man's religion, the Bible's been changed. And I just stood up in the middle. And I said, where has the Bible been changed? Well, you know it's been changed. I said, where? I just started yelling. I, don't, I shouldn't have done that. But they know, they know me, so it was good because they know I, I, you know, I get like that sometimes. So I just started yelling. I said, just tell me. I'm all up in the do. Tell me where it's been changed. She stopped cutting the do hair. I couldn't tell you. Show me. And then I started walking through it. Where's the white man? I said, it was North Africa. I said, do you know the gospel first went from Jerusalem, and it went from Jerusalem, it went to North Africa and Turkey, and then from Africa to Europe. Europe did not uh, evangelize Africa. Africa in, in, in evangelized Europe. Shut up and preach and just trust Jesus. Will y'all just stop it? <laughs> I'm just like, like, help me, God, right? And I, that probably wasn't my best gospel moment. Um, <laughs> probably wasn't my best gospel moment, but I did share the gospel, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> um, but, but, but as you talk to people about the gospel, call them to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Remember when the Pharisees came to, when, when the Pharisees came to uh, 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 John the Baptist, and he said, you brood of vipers. Who, who talks to people like that? <laughs> he said, you brood of vipers. You snakes. He says, who, who warned you of the wrath that is to come? But he said, if you're going to be baptized with me, you got to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, guess what? Some of those Pharisees were part of the Jerusalem church in Acts. See, sometimes you can talk crazy to people and they change. Amen. I'm just being honest, right? But I'm not saying just implore that because you are like that and you like doing that. Oh, I'm glad you gave me a license to wild out on people. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Pastor is saying. <laughs> look, look at what Paul said. I want to give us some beautiful applicational points. It says to the Jews, listen to this, listen to this. I became like a Jew to win Jews. I'm going to break all this down. This is very important. Are y'all still tracking with me? It says, to those under the law, like one under the law. Now listen to this statement. Though I myself am not under the law. Now I just want to let y'all know that. Next time you see some yelling dudes in gear on the street. This is a good verse for you. We're not under the law, but that doesn't mean we're without law. Can I teach you for a second? We, we're under the law of Christ, which helps us Christologically look back to the Old Testament for the moral law and how we live the Christian life. So just because we're under the law doesn't mean, oh, I can commit adultery now. We're not under the law. You wildin'. 
you straight tripping. That's not what we're saying. We are saying we don't have to keep the ceremonial law. We can't keep the civic law. So when somebody murders somebody, do we just all stone them? No. Do they do that? No. So somehow the law, we have to work with it differently. Now, look at what Paul does, though. There are times, Paul says, now sometimes I act like I'm under the law even though I'm not under the law in order to win people that are under the law. Now, let me, let me break that down. He does, it's all through, it's beautiful. So, so, so when Paul, Paul had a young boy named Timothy, he, he snatches him up in Acts 16. He comes up in there and comes to the, to the, come back to Iconium, listen in Derby from Acts 14 when him and Barnabas went through there, dropped bombs of the gospel, mad people got saved, left elders there. Timothy got discipled from his grandmama and his mama from youth, and then when the gospel came, everything became clear. Paul goes back in Acts 16, verse 3, and the elders are like, yo, man, you need to meet this young buck. He's a monster in the scriptures. <laughs> he br- elders, he bring him to me. Timothy starts waxing eloquent on the Christological philosophies of the Old Testament. Young buck, like, like young, young, young dude. Killing it in the book. He's like, oh, shorty going with me. Let me raise this offering real quick. Pay his salary. He rolling with me. He put him with Silas. Y'all, y'all missed that little part I just gave y'all right there. Anyway, he said he going with me. Now, before they left, he circumcised them. Now, I'm going to just tell you. Money had to be like 16. I'm sorry, they're going to get on me about the video. He had to be like, I had to come somewhere. 16 or between 16 and 25 years old. Circumcised. He said because there were Jews in other places and they would ask the question, is he circumcised? I would just be like, you know, can we have a holy lie here? You know, like. <laughs> he circumcised. Who want to check, right? So it's like. <laughs> but they. <laughs> I'm just being honest, but he walked in integrity and actually got cut for the gospel. Not because the Bible demands circumcision of the flesh. It actually requires the opposite in both the Old and New Testaments, circumcision of the heart. However, this is beautiful, y'all, but because because, um, um, he was that committed to the gospel, he was like, I'll do it in order that Jews won't have any barriers in front of us when, they, when we minister to gospel to them. I got more on that. We could keep going, but I'm going to move past that. Read Acts 21 when you get a chance, verses 15 on. <clears throat> and then he says in verse 21, he said to those who are un- with, without law, he says like one without, he said, I become one, like one without law, though I'm not without God's law. See how he plays on words there. He says, listen, he says, but under the law of Christ, there it is, the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The law, you must know this as a Christian. This is the law we live by. Love God, love neighbor. Everything in Torah, Tanah, Torah, Navihim, Ketuvim, or you call it the Old Testament, everything in there is put under those two principles. Everything. Everything is summed up in that way. So every time you, you do those things well, you're keeping the law of God. Now, look, he says, to win those without law. Now, in the Areopagus, my man Paul, in Acts 17, he walks through. He know they're without law. So he's not going to walk up in there talking about Moses. They don't know who Moses is in Athens. So what does he do? He goes within their culture. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. And what, what he does is he says, where do I see 
a redemptive narrative that I can utilize to connect to the Old Testament to bring what, what I, what, how do I show that their cultural values actually inferentially comes from God by them being made in the image of God, defaced but not erased? We're walking heavy right now, family. And, 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 and so what ends up happening is, is Paul says, ah, they, they, they got all these gods. Oh, there's a spot for one. They got a just in case we miss somebody. He said, oh, I'm going to use that person missing as a way to let them know he's the greatest God of them all. And he goes in. He says, I see that y'all are religious men and y'all are thinkers. He says, but I know who that one is that y'all have missing that y'all don't know about. And he begins to principally go through redemptive history without giving one verse. And guess what? People believe the gospel. Now, the question with all of that is, and this is for free before I move on. I can't get through all of this. It's like 17 pages, 18 pages. Um, we ha- it's, it, the starting points are important. What I mean by that, and, and whenever you know someone's worldview, we'll have a, a series on worldviews at some point, is you, your starting point is in their worldview. Now, what do I mean by that? When he went to the Jews, what was their, he goes to them and say, friends and countrymen and fathers, remember Moses and Abraham. He goes through all of that. Because they ain't going to listen if you start talking about, I know you're religious. They's like, we don't want to talk about no unknown God. We know who God is. But then Paul, Paul will go through and he'll walk them through the Old Testament and then get them to Jesus. But on the other side, they'll go to other people who don't know Jesus and they won't start with a gospel point. But he uses the principles to lead them to the gospel. Now, what, is, now what does that look like us? <laughs> Let me get some application. Can I apply this and get out your way? Now, what does this look like applicationally? Y'all ain't say nothing. Is that okay? Okay, I'm just making sure. So what are some starting points to help the door open for the gospel? In our day, these are some issues that are starting points for us. Ethnic identity. Ethnic identity among ethnic minorities is a starting point. That's a major starting point for gospel conversations. Um... The spiritual, the spiritual world, but those who are, I'm not, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. I like those kind of people. Because then I can let them know that spirituality isn't do it your way. It isn't a, it isn't a, it isn't a toolkit for you to do on your own. It's actually uh, 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 dangerous if you don't do it with the help of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This one guy was into uh, 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 quantum physics and transcendental meditation and out-of-body experiences. And one of the times, he thought he can go into one of his lucid dreams. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And he go into the lucid dream, and he thought at each level of his lucid dream, he thought he was having an out-of-body experience, but he was actually dreaming in, in the spirit realm. And a demon met him. He didn't know that was a demon, and took over his dream and took him over and possessed him. Later on, when he, he got really, really scared of the experience, talked to a Christian, and the person told him, based on that worldview, that he used a Christian worldview to influence his worldview. He says, yes, there's a spirit realm that exists. Yes, there are forces out there. But let me tell you, those characters are posing themselves as angels of light. They're actually demons. The person got scared. That person got deliverance, got saved, and filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Because the Christian understood the starting ground with that person to engage them with the beauty of the gospel. Karma. We don't believe in karma because karma is sowing and reaping without deity. Yeah. 
It's the universe. So, oh, God, help me. And so what you have to do is you, you, you listen, then you, all you're saying to them is, yes, there is, you get what you put out. But it's not some universe that kind of works on its own in the natural and in the spiritual. No, we read it every single Sunday. Every single Sunday during communion, we read a verse. And it said, that which a man sows, he'll also reap. Right? And so that's the idea of things. Ain't no karma and yum yum renge and all of that. That's the devil, y'all. Y'all better quit playing. Y'all, y'all are in the spirit realm. You are. Then you know you can renge all you want, and I ain't making fun of you. I'm just letting you know the devil likes renge. Here we go. Number four, biblical issues. Things that people don't realize the Bible talks about in family. Just some gateways. So what do we say here? I'm done. He says, to the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. This is so dope. He said, I've become all things to all people so that I may, by every possible means, save some. What does the weak mean here? Socially disenfranchised people. That's what it means. And the question is, this is a big thing we're called to here. Here at this church, we're called heavily to people who have been disenfranchised by the world. We do gospel mission here in this city and this community because God has called us to preach the gospel. You can't preach the gospel to someone that's th- and, and just expect them to hear you if they got, if they got liens on their house. You, you can't talk to a person about the gospel and their stomach is growling. They can't hear you till they eat. You can't talk to a person if they've been unjustly imprisoned. Their question is, how does God help me in this situation? What does the gospel have to do with child support? What is the go- how does the gospel answer those questions? How does gospel answer the question, the abortion question? How does it answer all of these different questions? And we have to engage all of those different things. And we engage them already through some things that God has blessed us with. By God's grace, basketball leagues became an opportunity while we did a basketball league to become the sports programs for several churches. I mean, for several schools. Principals came, Muslims came. And guess what? We got an opportunity for common ground and share Jesus. Uh, We have with legal aid. (laughs) We ain't tell y'all. It just happens. It ain't none of your business. There's nobody legal, you know. I'm talking about good legal aid, right? GED training, financial assistance, literacy, developing a school, Coming, uh, uh, coming along existing schools, developing churches and planting them in hard-to-reach places, building schools in third-world countries. That's what we've done already. Now, where are we now? We need to do more. We're out of space. We don't know where we're going to move. we got to move. we got to probably buy another building. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know if we're going to build on the side, go up many stories. I don't know what we're going to do. We're praying about it. We're in that space. We, we're looking at property now. We got a property we're looking at now. We need God to unlock some stuff in this neighborhood. We, we, and we need you to give like crazy and pray like crazy. Um, why? Because we want, we want to have a state-of-the-art school and educational facility. I want to take our teachers here, and I want our teachers and educators to build a school out for us. For this neighborhood that has education, that's educated with a lot of black men, a lot of black women, why are we saying that? Because a lot of African-American children don't have people teaching them that look like them. 
Why? They need curriculum that's built around how they learn. Most schools don't know how to work with black children. So guess what? We have a church. We got to do something about that. That doesn't mean we abandon serving the school system in some way. But we have to, we have to I'm just over it. We got to start some type of school. And y'all going to build it. I just got the vision for it. I don't know nothing about building a school in this education. I just know it needs to be done. So we're going to raise money at some point and figure it out. We're going to have business space, and that's open to everybody because we need everybody's money. Amen. We need, we need income that helps do ministry. So we're going to have shared business space. I want state-of-the-art, beautiful shared business space that people come in and share business ideas and all of that, and they pay us for the space, for their meetings and all of that, computers, Internet, whatever. And then we use that as an opportunity to develop entrepreneurs in this community. We need a theological library for pastors in this city. Because it's a lot of bivocational guys, and it's they want to do more work, and they want to understand the gospel more. We got to help them. We need a daycare center, a big one, a big daycare center, a big one. I'm dreaming all kinds of dreams right now. We're going to help the single moms have a good, so, what she can leave her child somewhere she can trust. And you're educating them. In their preseason life, I want a multimedia division where we're doing podcasts, teaching kids how to code, how to how all oh studio development, how to mix that on an album, how do you put your stuff out on? I want to get all that done. How to develop an app, and then this one came. And these are just some of them. This is it. I'm gonna just stop here. I keep going. Listen, we gotta end this place being a healthy food desert. I mean, <clears throat> my wife and I, by, by counsel, moved out of the neighborhood because it was too much for us to be around the ministry all the time. And many of you said, thank you, Pastor. Um, but I miss it. I don't want to break down crying. I remember how bad it was shopping for food in this community. I never forgot that. I went, you go over to Save a Lot, and I'll, they may sue me. I don't care. They got sugar and the type of stuff. I mean, it's killing. So you got bad schools. Sorry, y'all. You, you got, you, 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 got you, you feed them bad. Then you're closing libraries. What do you expect our kids to be like? Ain't no Whole Foods and Trader Joe's around here. You got to go down to Pennsylvania Avenue. And who can afford that? And then you got to have a Prime account to get a discount, but Prime you got to pay for a monthly. Who can do that? And so guess what we got to do? We're going to start all this stuff in, every, in the grocery store, in the school, in the daycare center, in the theological library, and in the multimedia complex. We're going to be just spreading the gospel as thousands and thousands of people come get engaged by the gospel. Why is this so Jesus-centered? The Bible says in Hebrews 2.17, and he had to become like his brothers in every respect. That means even Jesus in his, in, what if Jesus irrelevant, it would have been irrelevant if Jesus came down here in his full glory. He'd have wiped us out. 
But what did he do? He tucked his Shekinah in a skin suit and became an incarnation and met us where we are so that we wouldn't stay where we are. That's why we want to do all of this outreach. So what I want you to do, I want to end this time. I'm just all over the place mentally because I'm just pumped up. I don't want us to pray. And um, we, we have to. Somebody's asking the timeline. I don't know. I, I, I just know we got to get a building. We're trying to get one now, and it's locked up in so much stuff. We got a $1.5 million loan that we, can, we can't use on a building that we see now. It's on an acre of land, 133,000 square feet, parking and other lots around it we can buy. Right now, if we, ha- if we could just buy everything and get it done, we got the lo- I'm just talking loose. We, we, we really need, um, I, I, I can't stand that developers got more space than the kingdom. So we have to, I need y'all to give millions of dollars. I'm going to cast some more vision for it. But we, we th- this is not for my pockets. This is, not for, this is for this neighborhood, this community to be developed. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Um, let's stand. Um, Um, Lord, won't y'all join hands? Can I have a, um, I'm going to do something different. Um, can I have two educators come here, please? Two educators. If you're an educator, just two educators come up real quick. If you work with technology, you're a technology expert. Can you come up here real quick, please? Give me a, um, g- um, Marcus, grab that mic for me. Um, um, if you know how to do daycare, come up here, please. Matter of fact, if any of anybody that has interest in anything I just said, just come up. Just come up. I'm just saying, I don't know how it's all going to work, y'all. But I'm just asking God for it. Sister, Sister Dale, can you come right here? Now you pray next. All right. When I say that they shall only abide, then my expectation is from him. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for this vision. We know the depravity of our neighborhoods, of our schooling systems, of our homes, of our neighborhoods. And we pray in the name of Jesus that as you have given our pastor this vision, you, have a, you will awaken our hearts to fall down in humbleness, to obey, to use our resources, to use the gifts that you have given us, our education, our talents, or whatever we have to give, to give this um, vision life. You blow on it to give it life, but you use us. Use our hands, use our minds, use our motivations, use our savviness, everything 
we have, we want to give to you so that you can use this to your glory and to your honor. God, this has touched my heart. I have waited for someone to come through to touch the neighborhood, the children, the, the murder, all the things that have been going on in these neighborhoods for years, and to have this glimmer of hope, this light, to get us out of the tunnel of darkness is a blessing. And we thank you and we praise you for it. We thank you for the visionary. Now, Lord, you know what? We got to start giving our money. We got to stop being stingy. We got to start giving our talents and resources to the neighborhood. We got to think more highly of others than we do ourselves. So make us uncomfortable. It's all right. Because you will supply any void that we have because we gave. Show young people that, Lord God. Show how you can make a way out of nowhere. Light them up. Set them on fire. They're talented people. I'm blessed by them. But I want you to set them on fire for this neighborhood. To save those. To show them what Jesus Christ looks like. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, and we look forward to what you're going to do in this community with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Lord, this is the most educated black generation of the last 400 years. And I, I, I would say the most brilliant Lord, will you unleash your oil on them? We're not alienating anyone. We want to include everybody. Yet we want to, but we want to, we want, we want th this neighborhood to be saturated with hope. And God, <laughs> people always ask, Lord, how do you get so many young people here? I don't know, but I just believe you sent them, and I, and I just believe you sent them with purpose. God, teach us the secret of giving our lives away. Um, and God, I pray that you would light a fire under every one of us, and Lord, God, help us to already see the children becoming less violent, less angry. Fathers returning to homes. I see it. <laughs> God, kids wanting to go to school. Black boys and black girls getting mentored by people who look just like them, who love Jesus. It's more books in this room Curriculum writers to write math, do videos, all kinds of things are in this room. Let it loose. And God, I can't wait to see the kingdom come to North Philadelphia. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Y'all should give God a big shout. Y'all should give him a big shout. Hallelujah, hallelujah to the living God. Let's get our hearts and minds ready for the
Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Passive Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully, the Word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.